Before we start our interview today with Dylan Jarvis, check out a sample of his newest song, White Horse. You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and today we have a special guest with us. We're inviting Dylan Jarvis to join us here on the show. And before I open up the mic and we we start chatting together, I just want to give you a little bit of background on Dylan. Dylan grew up in the gritty streets of Memphis, Tennessee, surrounded by music, and he started playing the guitar. But he spent his teenage years around drugs, and he fell into hardcore addiction. And this led him down a really dark path that ultimately landed him in jail, facing a 30-year sentence. And while behind bars, Dylan trusted the Lord. He wrote songs about his story and about finding his way out of the depths of addiction. And with a new and profound spiritual awakening that permeates his music, you could see that faith demonstrated. His fellow inmates nicknamed him Songbird. Now, six months later, Dylan went back to work again, and uh, the Lord was just doing a a great work in his life. And Dylan was released on probation at that point. He attended Bible school, where he completely turned his life around. Dylan then moved to Nashville, where he was discovered by Gary Becker from Pace Entertainment. And he quickly began just doing different music with producer Dan Tracy of the Alan Parsons Live Project. The result is a, a rootsy country rock blend that explores themes of love and faith and tells the fascinating story of a miraculous survivor who beat the odds. So Dylan has a really interesting story. I'm really eager to introduce him to you today. So Dylan, welcome to the Dwell on These Things podcast. Thanks. How are you all doing? We're doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. God's good. Awesome. Well, wonderful. You have you have quite the story. And uh, I wonder, just just as we kind of get things kicked off here today, how are you seeing the Lord use the experiences that I just shared with our listeners uh, in that in that brief intro, that brief bio? But how are you seeing the Lord use those experiences, the experiences of your past to help minister to people today? So. He takes what the enemy means for evil and he turns it for good. And uh, I was in the pit of my addiction. And I remember uh, sitting on a couch using drugs, looking at a scripture, Jeremiah 33 and 3. And it said, call out to me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Because thou knowest not. I said, all right, God, uh, if you're real, you're going to change me. and You're going to help me change. And like, I really want to be changed. Like fool gave my all to him. And um not long after, a couple months after, I was facing 30 years in prison. And that was like the bend right there. So in the natural, it looked like it was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Mm-hmm. But in the spiritual world, 
God, you know, he knew what was in front, but that's, that's why I actually wrote burn free. It talks about not knowing what's in front of me while time rolls by. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't know that he had a you know beautiful future ahead of me, but he's great. He's a great guy. So it and and it's it's cool that you're able to use the variety of your experiences and all of this to be a blessing to other people. Does it seem like the Lord keeps opening up doors for you to share your story and for you to connect with others? Yes, sir. They're opening left and right through guys that passed away, their moms. So these uh there's a site called Not in Vain and this group of moms has like kind of took me under their wing and um, he's just using me in a lot of ways to show there is hope. If there's breath in the lungs, there's hope. Um, I was living on the streets and today I'm not, I'm living a way healthier and way better life. Love it. I love it. That's great to hear. And it, it kind of makes me wonder. So when, when you were a child, and you thought about what your life as an adult would be like and the things that you would be doing. What did you think it would look like? What did you what did you picture your life and your future looking like? And how how similar and how different do you feel like it is? Well, I always had this dream for music, but I started working, um, you know, doing construction work at a young age. So I was on the job sites around a lot of men and I kind of picked up that construction worker kind of mentality. And um, I kind of steered away from the music for a little while. And then I started going through really hard trials due to my addiction. And uh, I dove into music like crazy. So, yeah, I, I, I thought that I was, you know, going to be, a, you know, framing houses or, or um, you know, a contractor or plumbing or electrician or something. You know, I thought I was going to be doing that. And uh, God had other plans right out of the gate. He kind of came up and just gave me everything. It's kind of the prodigal son story. It's, it sounds like it. You know, I was really out there and uh, he pulled me back in. I love that. So were you a child when you discovered that you had a, a real talent or a real knack for music? I was a little boy. I, the first song I learned how to play was, uh, you get a line and I get a pole. We'll go fishing in a crawfish hole, honey, baby mine. I played that song out there on my dad's porch. And I started playing in church. I started really getting the hang of things. And I was like, okay, this is, I understand it. Taught, you know, my dad taught me the basics and I kind of just took it on my own and turned something into it. Nice. Very cool. So how, how old would you say you were when you really started playing? Seven. Seven. So that's pretty young. So, all right, here, here's a question I, I have just as a curiosity. You know, when you're putting together your music, when you're writing songs, when you're doing all the things you're doing, I'm curious what your writing process looks like, because it seems like when I ask people that question, they they either have two different approaches. You know, some people, when they get a uh, like a flash of inspiration, they pause everything they're doing, regardless of the time, and they just go with it and, until that that inspiration goes away. And then others are very methodical about it. And it's almost like they schedule their writing time. So where do you fall on that scale? How do you approach writing your music? I'm like a revolver. When I spin, (laughs) if it comes out, boom, we got a bullet. But uh, other than that, I just kind of spin. So So it could be first thing in the morning. It could be late at night. It could be while you're in a restaurant. So they come out of me as emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll feel like really angry or feel like I need to cry and I'll go right and a song comes out. So with me, they come, they feel like an emotion that's coming and I put them on paper. So, all right. So when you're, when you're writing it, do you, uh, do you come up with the chorus first and then come back to the verses or do the verses come to you first? Some, sometimes the choruses come first and then I'll go and sculpt my verse around the chorus. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just start writing, uh, 
writing off the top and, and just seeing where it goes. And I daydream. I'll daydream in my head and form a story. But a lot of them are personal experiences. You right. I have went through a lot of, lot of different things, good and bad. So I got a lot to write about. Yeah. Your life experience is a, a deep well that you can pull from when you're trying to really, you know, connect emotionally and, and share transparently. And, and I think that that's great. And I'm, I'm, I'm also curious. So when you're in the process of writing a song, do you give people a glimpse of it early in the process or do you wait till it's a bit more polished before you let somebody else hear what you're working on? Depending on who it is. Okay. Depending on who it is, but uh, certain people, I'll be like, check this out because they know what I can create afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so certain people, I'll show up front, but uh, other people, I'll wait till it's pretty polished. <laughs> I I have noticed. I I like asking that question of those that that are creative because I notice sometimes with with different things that I've written through the years or whatever, I've made the mistake of showing people too early when it's not polished and then I find myself regretting it. And I think, ah, I wish I kept it to myself. You're, you're ruining the fun. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Cause you know, you're, there's going to be critique. People are going to critique it. Everybody critiques it. Right. Everybody. And it's like, you know what, you're critiquing my stuff, but why don't you go do something? <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I've been, I've been checking out your music. I've been listening to some of the stuff that you've been putting out there and it's, it's really good. And I have a couple questions for you about two songs in particular, because I think they're the two most recent songs that you released. So the, the first one, and our listeners would have heard a sample of this right at the start here. White horse is the title. You recently released that song. I really enjoy it in a strange way. Now you could tell me if my interpretation of the song is right or wrong. And I won't be offended if you tell me I'm wrong, but do you ever hear of, um, Oh, in the late nineties, there was a guy called Everlast. Do you ever hear that guy? Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when, when I first heard the song, I thought, you know what? I feel like Dylan, it reminded me a little bit of his song. What it's, what it's like, like, right. Just like a little bit, except your, your content is edifying and your content is redemptive. I can't really say that about Everlast, but I remember that song from the late nineties and I thought it was interesting. And then, then I was listening to white horse and I thought, Oh, you know, in a, in a, just like in a thematic way, it reminded me a little bit of that. And uh, and so I'm just curious if you could just tell us a little bit more about what you hope a listener will take from that song, what that song is about to you, things like that. I want people to uh, understand that addiction doesn't discriminate. It can hit the guys in the streets and the you know ghettos, or it can hit these businessmen up here in these towers in downtown Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen firsthand, you know, that in life, I've seen it firsthand. Um, and so addiction doesn't discriminate. And, we, and I just want people to want people to stand in the eyes of an addict and look through the eyes of an addict. I've fought, I've been fighting addiction since I was 12 years old. So long time. Okay. Yeah. And I fought it. I combated it with God and Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what I combated it with. And, and did I see what I was doing work? You're daggum right. Mm-hmm. I saw it work. I mean, it was like God said, boom, Dylan, wake up. And I was like, holy cow, this is real. I love it. And so yeah. that's what you wanted to convey with that song. You wanted to let people know, listen, this could hit anybody at any season of life, whether you're up. Whether yes, you're yes, yes. And, and put the boots on of the man sleeping on the ground. We right. all fight a war inside, but the battle is between the darkness and the light. It says, Drifters and outlaws, modern-day prodigals, thrown away daughters and sons, 
No, he didn't pick saints for disciples. Don't forget the forgotten. And uh, there's a lot of people out here that are getting forgot about due to, you know, certain things, struggles in life. Yeah. Well, that's the subtitle of the song too, right? The forgotten. The forgotten. You know, the forgotten. And uh, I, I think that that's useful to know. I actually think a lot of times when I'm when I'm listening to a song, if I know a little bit about why the writer of that song wrote it and a little bit of their background, I, I feel like it has a bit more of a punch. It has a uh, uh, something that I find very relatable. And as somebody that so this is what, something my grandmother taught me when I was a kid. I remember standing out in front of her house. And she knows that I was always into music and and all that. And I remember her telling me, she said, listen, I'm going to tell you something that my father told me. And I want you to remember it. She said, when you're listening to music and and you're singing words and, and all that, she said, I want you to pay attention to the words because the artist is telling you a story. He's telling you a story, especially if it's something written by that artist. He's telling you a story. And see if you could figure out what you're supposed to learn from that story. See if you could figure out what he's trying to convey. He's conveying a, a part of his life that has impacted him greatly. And uh, it's meant to encourage you or help you or inspire you or something like that. Listen to the story. And so from what I'm hearing, it sounds a bit like like White Horse is a song that kind of conveys that from you to those that are listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's just me blaring everything out about what I feel um, right, and just saying, look at this, like, look at the issue here, you know? Right. That's, that's excellent. It's very transparent too, to do that. You know, that's yeah. something that I've noticed about you that, that you're not really trying to portray something that's like a, like a false narrative. You're, you're trying to tell people like, listen, you know, this is uh this is something I've wrestled with and I want to help you if you're in the midst of wrestling with it as well and offer the solution, the solution being Christ. Yes, yes. I'm light years away from where I was. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. And I, mm-hmm. I apologize for interrupting you there. Yeah, light years away from that. You also, uh, let me ask a similar question about your song, Burn Free, uh, because that's another song that you recently released. Both of these songs just released in the past few months, correct? Right, right. All right. So in that song, something I really appreciate about what you said in that song is you address this idea of surrendering over to the Lord. You know, that's a key word, I think, that you're trying to convey there. So the way I'm hearing it, I I hear you saying, you know, surrender your life, surrender your prayers, uh, surrender your ambitions, surrender all these things over to the Lord. And so I just, I wonder, what has the Lord been teaching you about that concept of surrender? How are you surrendering to his guidance and protection? You know, what does that word mean to you when you, when you use that in that song? So I wrote that song sitting in a jail cell in Hardeman County facing 30 years in prison. And I, my son was three years old at the time. My grandma, who raised me, pretty much. Uh, I got a great mother, too, but I had a really good grandmother, too. So my grandma, she was passing away of um, stage four adenocarcinoma lung cancer. And I never thought I was going to be able to see her again. And I never thought I was going to, I thought I was going to be 56 years old by the time I got home. My son was going to be a grown man. All my family was going to be gone. So, like, I settled that in my heart. Hmm. And I said, all right. I'm at this point now settling this stuff and it really hurt bad. I said, God, I'm going to give my life to you at this point. And I remember laying down on that cell floor and I threw my hands up and I said, my whole life is yours. I'm giving it to you. You take me and you make me who you want me to be. Hmm. And so I saw through a foggy window 
that next morning, and that's where I got that first lyric at for Burn Free. I, I said, the foggy window in the morning makes it hard for me to see exactly what's in front of me while time rolls by. And I was having these visions while I was in there, and I felt like, I don't know, I felt like Jonah in the belly of the well almost. Like, I was having these visions while I was in there. That's why I wrote in there, tracking visions in the dead of night. You know, um, I was track, I was having these visions, and I was seeing what was coming, I wrote this uh, I wrote this letter out and I, I said pretty much that I will see people set free and that I'm going to be going uh, going out within the next two years to spread the gospel and to tell what Jesus has done in my life. And, um, you know, I, I said the power of God, God is going to strike across the United States like a mighty earthquake. I saw all of this stuff before it ever happened. I saw it in the spirit and I wrote about it and I've got it now you know, to show and that, that, that stuff's real. And, um, he was showing people, he's prepping people. I, I, I don't know. I know that God is prepping people and that big things are coming in this world is what I know. Yeah. I wonder what the Lord is preparing us for. You know, there's all sorts of things that, that kind of go through the back of my mind too, related to that. I think each of these experiences that he allows us to have is something that he's teaching us something from. And there, there are things that he knows that are on the horizon. He cares about his bride. He cares about the church. And he's preparing us for things that are down the road. He's preparing us emotionally, spiritually, relationally, all kinds of ways. And uh, it's interesting. You know, I, I serve as a local church pastor, and I, I sometimes think, all right, Lord, you know, what do you want me to convey in my message this week to this congregation that is going to be preparatory for what's going to face them this week or face them in this coming year or even even you know more distant in the future and it's just kind of interesting to really just wrestle with the fact that the lord is looking after us and his hand of providence and you could see that that he cares about his bride he cares about his church and I, I, I gather from from your words and even just your testimony that you sense that pretty powerfully in your own life uh, it's strong. It's very strong. He said, therefore, I send you a helper whom the world cannot see because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I can feel him. He knocks around in my heart and sides so are like really hard. I love that. I love that. So, you know, looking down the road, as the Lord keeps opening up doors for you with your music and as you're you're using this as something to to bring him glory, what do you hope to see from the work that the Lord's been doing in you and the doors he's opening up for you? I want to see, I want to see people set free from addiction. I really do. And, and, and I, I believe in Jesus name they can be, but God has me here as a tool. And if my music and different things that I can do for people to help them, I want to, cause I know how it is to fight. I fought heroin for five years. I was very bad on it. And uh, September 7th, I had three years totally clean off fentanyl and heroin. And, Love it. Um, so that, that was a, you know, just I want to see people delivered because so many are struggling. We're losing people like crazy. I think 400 a day are dying in the United States from fentanyl right now. Wow. Wow. Well, it's our prayer, and I'll encourage those that are listening or those that even catch this on video that if if you could be praying for Dylan, that the Lord would just continue to open up those doors for him to be a light and for him to be an ambassador for the gospel. That would be a wonderful thing because that's certainly his desire. Quick question for you as we as we wrap things up here in just a moment. I, I have a couple fun questions. All right, so just so just so we can get to know you a little bit and and uh, you know different listeners could get to know a little bit about you know, just your personality and things like that. So 
So you're doing a lot of traveling, I'm assuming, as you're as you're you know playing your music and you're going different places, doing shows, things like that. What's your favorite food to eat when you're traveling? Steak. Steak from love, anywhere I love, or? <laughs> I love steak. Um, well, not necessarily. I, I, I mean, well, I, I like uh, like Texas cooked steak. Like 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 I don't want it smothered in a bunch of stuff, but uh, you know, just a big old slab of meat. Good. <laughs> all right so so where, wherever you're at you want to find a good steak all right that's good yeah. all right second fun question for you is this is there a musician that you have not yet met that you would love to meet i want to meet zach wild all right zach yeah. wild and why is that I'm, his music's got me through so much lately i'm talking about a lot and and he loves jesus too right so. Right. All right. Third question. What's the first question you think you're going to ask God when you get to heaven? Why do we have to see kids suffer? Why does this uh, evil have to happen um, out here? The suffering, the evil. Suffering. I just had a friend killed in Memphis, a girl that I know. Uh, she mm-hmm. got shot in the face um, and her daughter was there. Oh, my. Like, there was this guy that went on a killing spree back home. You know? so. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, it's hard to wrap our minds around those things. And and uh, it, it's also interesting to think, even from a redemptive standpoint, that when we look back, we'll realize how the Lord kind of like what you said right at the start of our interview, that, that what the devil means for evil, the Lord's going to turn around and and uh, and use it for good somehow. And in some way, he will get glory from it and 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 his people will benefit from it. Just hard to wrap our minds around it right now. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, well, Dylan, this was really fun to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing about your music and your background and your life. If people want to learn more about you and, and check out some of your music, where's the best place for them to go? Dylan Jarvis official on all three platforms, so TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. All right. Dylan Jarvis official. Check it out. And uh, Dylan, thanks again for joining us. Thank you all so much. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.